0: Welcome back into another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. As always, we're extremely thankful for all of the positive reception and feedback that you guys have given us so far on this new addition to the SB Nation NFL channel. But we do have to ask you each and every week to please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, We've got shows Sunday through Friday this year. So we've got every one of your NFL needs covered on every single day of the week across the entire NFL regular season. Today on NFL University, we've got updates that you need to know headed into the regular season on every team. And as every team in the NFL polishes their initial 53-man rosters, The NFLPA won't let Urban Meyer live his life. And we're going to give you a crash course on the AFC as we are only eight days away from the NFL regular season opener on Thursday night football. But without further ado, Kyle Posty of Niners Nation and Justice Mosqueda are actually out this week. So I'm very excited to be joined by my good friend from 610 Sports Radio. If you're listening locally in Kansas City, You absolutely know this man, Jay Binkley. You can follow him on Twitter at three guys in the garage bank for the uh, listening audience that might be getting introduced to you today. They might not know that you're one of the biggest football fans that's ever walked the face of the earth. But we actually used to do a radio show we together did. once upon a time. So I'm really excited to have my good friend Jay Binkley on the show. What's going on, Bink?
1: I'm excited to be here, Stephen. The one thing uh, between us is we always had football to talk about. It didn't matter what time of year it was, whether we're talking draft, free agency. As you said, we're eight days from the regular season, and I cannot wait. I got my college football fix on from now until in, until Monday. But then it's you just, you just have to wait three more days till Thursday, and then boom, we have the NFL. It's perfect
0: it's so close uh there's a ton of news yesterday was the official cut day across the national football league as we get to the initial 53 man rosters and then all those guys that are being cut and waived or or whatever go to waivers big waiver process across the league so some guys are, are are moving guys are being placed on ir things like that so a ton of transactional stuff, uh, nothing major as far as that stuff goes that you guys absolutely need to know right now. But, Binkley, we got to talk about what's going on in New England. Uh, the Mac Jones era has begun. Oh, I
1: thought we were talking Garrett little... Gilbert.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's where I was going, <laughs> Binkley. Uh, I'm a little bummed about the Cam Newton stuff and, you know – Bill Belichick claims it doesn't have to do with him not being vaccinated. I have to imagine that plays into it a little bit as it should with any NFL team this season, because it's a legitimate competitive advantage, but Cam Newton missing time during the preseason because of his COVID issues and him not being vaccinated gave the Patriots the opportunity to see Mac Jones with their number one offense in the preseason and Mac Jones I've been honest about it on this show, Binkley. Mac Jones has really impressed me. I did not think much of Mac Jones headed in this NFL regular season, but he's looked pretty impressive and impressive enough that Bill Belichick said, All right, I- I'm ready to get this thing going now because I'm chasing Tom. Tom won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Bill Belichick isn't playing anymore. He knew last season was a wash when all those guys opted out because of COVID. Now he's got a rookie quarterback who they have enough faith in to toss Cam Newton to the side, put Mac Jones as their starter, and this is how they're going to roll into week one of the NFL season. I didn't think Bill had it in. I think this has everything to do with Brady Binkley.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's one of those interesting things too, Stephen. You know, you are talking about teams that spend half million through free agency, tied for the second most ever through the free agency period. So they want to win. You know, Hunter Henry, John Smith, this team was ready to go. But they had, okay, you have Cam Newton and you have this rookie quarterback. They're going to be able to go forward. You know, through this, Belichick likes to win. I thought it was amazing last year he came up with seven victories, as it was. But Matt Jones, when given the right ingredients, the right coaching, I mean, the guy just continues to shine. What he did at Alabama, keep in mind, he's behind Tua. He's behind Jalen Hurts. He waits for his time to shine. Then they put, like, Alex Leatherwood in front of him, William Dickerson. See, the Remington winner, the Outland winner. You know, by the way, the Heisman Trophy winner on the roster, Devontae Smith, even though Jalen Waddell, to be honest with you, without the injury – might have made a run for for uh, uh, Devontae Smith's money as far as that's concerned. But incredibly talented roster. Great coaching uh, with Nick Saban in Alabama. And he excelled. So there's going to be that question. Right? He was in that great offense. And, oh, by the way, Najee Harris was behind him as the running back. So star-studded team at Alabama. No question about it. One of the most talented teams ever at Alabama. Okay, how's that going to translate to the NFL? And really, these rookie quarterbacks – Half shined, haven't they? I mean, I think Justin Fields deserves his chance in Chicago, speaking of rookie quarterbacks. But, you know, these rookie quarterbacks have done the job. I was a little bit uncertain what they were going to get this year, especially with some of the opt-outs. Like a Trey Lance, he only played one game last year. Zach Wilson played at BYU, and they scheduled games literally two days in advance at times. So Mac Jones is always that steady presence, you know, who won through the college football playoffs. They're like Trevor Lawrence, that steady presence um, at Clemson uh, like he was. But uh, yeah, he's been nothing uh, short of impressive in this preseason. But I really think Belichick is desperate to get that guy, groom that guy to have his guy going forward that he can really trust.
0: Somebody has got to be bad in this rookie quarterback. Somebody's
1: got to be Trubisky, right?
0: Right. Nothing yeah, against I mean, it. They've, the they've all looked fantastic so far. And, you know, there's going to be some speed bumps along the road, which is why the bears seem so cautious about putting Justin fields. in? even though I, I think Justin fields, in my opinion has a chance to be the best quarterback in this class, I would be starting him from day one. If it were personally up to me, I think Trevor
1: um, lay Lawrence, then uh, fields, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Like, and I feel about the guy and, and you know, Trey Lance, I think is going to be a really, really good NFL player. Uh, he's looked good in the preseason. He's had some accuracy issues, but that was kind of the, the tail of the tape on him. Like, that was kind of what you were supposed to expect from Trey Lance. And, you know, he can get better. We saw a guy like Josh Allen drastically improve his accuracy in a way that no quarterback has ever done uh, over a single off season. So it's not like it's unheard of to see a quarterback drastically improve his accuracy. And then Zach Wilson has been impressive really all been impressive in moments this preseason. So it's, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, the statistics would argue that not all of them are going to be superstar quarterbacks, but they all looked really impressive. They all looked like they deserve to be first round quarterbacks early in the preseason. And so that's really exciting. Headed into week one, we for sure have uh, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Trevor Lawrence as week one starting rookie quarterbacks for their respective franchises. And I do want to get to what urban Meyer had to say that's gotten him in a little hot water with the NFL PA Uh, on cut day as NFL teams uh, across the league are making cuts, getting down to their 53-man rosters. Urban Meyer had a press conference, and he acknowledged that players not being vaccinated played a role in who they possibly considered to keep on the team and who they decided to release. Uh, Now, the reason that's an issue is because the NFL Players Union is essentially saying like, that's out regards to cut a player or something like that. And they're going to file an investigation. I would imagine nothing really ever comes of it. Um, it's the Belichick, Jaguars tweet today. Yeah. Bella. Yeah. And they released a statement today. Uh, Belichick had comments about it this morning because it's basically assumed that Cam Newton was, you know, one, you want to see what you have in Mac Jones, but also Cam's refusal to get vaccinated. Not only puts, The team at risk, but it puts your entire quarterback room at risk. Like having Cam Newton exposing the rest of the team to COVID-19 during a pandemic because of his refusal to get the vaccination could mean that there could come a Sunday where the Patriots forfeit a football game because Cam exposed too many players throughout the week. That's just the way it is this season in the NFL. Belichick refused to acknowledge that, but I wholeheartedly believe it absolutely played a factor into it, as I think it should play a factor for everyone across the league, whether you agree with that or not. If those guys can jeopardize you winning football games at some point, you have to take into consideration what the move is aside from them. If you can move away from them as a football player, like Minnesota, Kirk Cousins has been very vocal about refusing to get the vaccination. They can't exactly walk away from Kirk Cousins the way that the Patriots can walk away from Cam Newton. So, the reason that Urban Meyer is kind of in trouble is because you shouldn't really say that in Binkley. I know you're a college football guy. I I know you know everything there is to know about a guy like Urban Meyer. Uh he does not seem like he knows how to navigate the NFL waters just yet. Uh, he's coming from college, coming from a landscape where you're the end-all, be-all, you're the total authority, and it's just not that way in the NFL. you got to be a little bit wiser with the way you navigate the media in the NFL, and Urban seems to keep learning that over and over again so far in his young coaching career in this league.
1: Well, there takes some acclamation when you go to the NFL, but he's been 100% transparent. That's what he was doing. Basically, he just kind of gave you the NFL's dirty little secret. Of course, availability is still king in the NFL. It always will be. You have to be available. I know Chris Ballard spoke on this today with the Colts, but it does come down to that. It comes down to that with roster decisions. The Patriots were faced with that last year against Kansas City. When, remember when Cam got it uh, late there one last Saturday and they had to prepare for a backup quarterback? They still played the Chiefs pretty close. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's all about availability. In this league. This is a billion-dollar industry. You know, this is – Everybody's dealing with the stuff at their workplace or wherever they go. I mean, there's certain rules. There's you, you have two choices. You can do it or not do it. And coaches want availability. They don't want a liability. I'm not saying anybody that it's their choice whether they do it or not, but the NFL moves on. And you're seeing, you know, cases where, you know, people have been vaccinated and they're still getting COVID, but they can get back in two days with two negative tests within 24 hours, which is huge in the landscape of the NFL. Not like he, a guy comes down with it on Wednesday Thursday, and all of a sudden he doesn't play on the weekend. Well, if he's been vaccinated, you can get him to play. But as you say, the spread amongst teammates. Like how many of your teammates are you taking out? Now, college football ha- has gone to a, to a, a method in the SEC, Mountain West, didn't matter which conference. If you can't field the team, you take a loss. I mean, they're done with the rescheduling. You know, you take a four-foot loss. The NFL is not going to reschedule. You know, it was a miracle they got 256 games as it was in last year all the games is that were slated. But moving around games, dealing with fans, hey, your game's being moved to Wednesday or Thursday. They're not doing that anymore. So you take the loss. And again, billion-dollar industry. It's about availability. So, yeah, he let the NFL in. or People know about the dirty little secrets. But we've seen this before. Remember Bounty Gate? You know, people were shocked about this Bounty Gate. Bounties has gone everywhere. High school football, college football, other NFL teams. The Saints had a pretty elaborate system. No doubt. But they're not doing anything else that no other team was. It was just all of a sudden, here's the dirty little secret out in the open.
0: I would say that the, the bigger problem with the Saints was that they had a legitimately elaborate.
1: It was pretty elaborate.
0: System, uh, to where they were paying players. And not that, like they're the only
1: team that does that, uh, though.
0: But it's just, you know, we saw the way Belichick responded to it today and the way Urban responded to it yesterday was just like, Urban's still taking these lumps. Uh, He's still learning that you don't just, you know, because in college sports, especially like, you know, a high profile program like Ohio State, obviously there's going to be more major media outlets there because they're playing so many nationally televised games throughout the year. And they're one of the biggest programs in college sports but you can have a little bit more authority over the people that are gaining access to your coaches and your teams and stuff like that in college. Whereas the NFL, it's, it's just the people that cover that team and, you know, they can be as objective as they want to be sometimes, but a a good NFL journalist is going to report the facts and they're going to admit when they disagree with the things the coach says. Uh, So, that's something that Urban is is kind of learning, but I appreciate the honesty. Uh, I'm sure they'll beat it out of him as the season goes, and he'll learn to lie a little bit better, like a lot of these coaches do. Well, then we um, see
1: so many coaches go back. Here's the thing the autonomy to do whatever you want in college, right? You're the end-all You were the gatekeeper to scholarships. Now they're not so much anymore. Now there's a transfer portal where guys go to the transfer portal and just leave and you can't do anything about it. So the power is being taken away from the college coaches. Now you have name, image, and likeness where you could say, well, now you have to deal with players that are paid, which they are in the NFL. Well, now college players are played. I'm telling you that that line between college coaches and pro coaches, it's getting more similar by the minute. It's it's usually a huge jump from college to the pros. That's why they all go running back to college football at some point. They regain that power, but – It's kind of being taken away from him. But Urban was going to say whatever he darn well pleased.
0: Yeah, I I don't think we've seen the last Urban Meyer in in college, personally. Um, We got a couple more quick notes before we get into our crash course. And we're going to go through every team in the AFC and and kind of break down their opportunities and their chances for improvement this season or, you know, if, if they actually have any chance in their particular division. I think we can say that the Las Vegas Raiders do not stand a chance in the AFC West against the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, But a couple other quick notes, the Texans have not officially told Tyrod Taylor. He's the starter this season, but it is reported that they are expected to hang on to Deshaun Watson, at least for the time being on their 53 man roster. But it's rumored that he's likely to be a healthy scratch on game day. Now there's been no official confirmation uh, about that and Texans GM Nick Casario spoke with the media earlier today, would not confirm any of that. So we'll kind of see how it goes, but we expect Tyrod Taylor to be the Houston Texans week one starting quarterback. Uh the Bears also signed Brashad Perriman, uh Binkley to give Andy Dalton another weapon because yeah, they refused that. to start Justin Fields in week one. So Brashad is Andy
1: Dalton the third quarterback there because Nick Foles looks good too. And Nick Foles even said, you know, he was trying to I think maybe parlay is to Indianapolis, but when he was talking about Frank Reich, you know, being one of his favorite yeah. coaches, but i, I mean, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, just the fields flip the coin, man.
0: I mean, they Andy Dalton, Nick Foles are the same quarterback. One yeah, of them, Nick one of Foles them's got has been a, ring. a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. One, yeah, one of them's got a ring in a Super Bowl MVP, but that was more circumstantial than it was based off of his actual talent. uh as far as I'm concerned, they're the same quarterback. Bears have absolutely no reason not to start Justin Fields in week one. Uh, last thing, the Lions cut both of their kickers. So Dan Campbell says they are keeping an eye out for kickers on the open market. But uh, I hope this i hope this is Dan getting a little crazy and just going for two every single time throughout the rest. Which
1: re- I love. I wish more teams would do it. I mean, I love the philosophy. There is this high school coach in Arkansas. does it every time. He does a kick. Does it kick off? Does it not? just does not oh, kick, and it's, it's parlayed kick- itself in this into state titles.
0: Uh, it's because the kickers in high school are bad. <laughs> that's why. That's why they don't kick field goals in high school. That's that's why they they just rather go for two. Uh, at yeah. the NFL level, you can generally find a, a decent kicker uh, on on the open market, but. I don't know Dan Campbell. Be you, I'm, I'm about it. Dan Campbell. I'm a bigger Dan Campbell fan than I, I thought I was going to be uh, initially. And they cut uh, their
1: long snapper of 19 years or what, 17 years, something like that. Yeah, that, he was there forever.
0: Not, they're not in the field goal game this year. <laughs> just not, just not in any way. Uh, we are going to take a quick timeout right now, but when we get back, we get the crash course as we go through every single team in the AFC to get you ready for what they can do in the regular season in the NFL. <sighs> i have some exciting news for you, class your time starts now nfl
1: craft course this doesn't happen very often you're gonna enjoy this one
0: welcome back into nfl university i am steven serta of arrowhead pride thank you guys for joining us each and every week as we try to educate you on all things national football league uh, Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. and Kyle Posey of Niner Station are out this week. But I've got my special guest host here with me, my dear friend Jay Binkley of 610 Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at 3 guys in a Garage. Uh, Binkley is one of my favorite people in the world to talk football with. He knows vastly more about football than even I do. And I think I know quite a bit about the National Football League. So I think I'm, you do. I'm very excited to break down the AFC with Binkley Uh, Bink, you know, we're both local Kansas city guys. So obviously people are going to expect that we have a little bit of Kansas city chiefs bias, but I don't even think it's bias at this point. Like the chiefs are just the best team in football. They're the best team in the AFC in my mind. And I don't think it's really that close. So we might as well just get the AFC West out of the way. Like the chiefs initial 53 man roster, Locked in as of now, expected to make a couple moves, maybe a guy or two going to IR, maybe some other uh, potential moves that they're going to do over the next couple of days. But I'm curious, Binkley, I would assume the Chiefs are going to be your number one team in the AFC West. I'd like to get your thoughts on the rest of the division, and how you think that's going to play out this year.
1: Well, if, if they're going to make a leap to Andy Reid and the five straight division titles he's had, who, who in this division is taking the biggest leap forward? I know a lot of people are talking about the Chargers. They love the Chargers. They love what they're doing with Justin Herbert. Again, it'll be an adjustment this year because now you have to go on the road. And instead of facing 20%, you're facing 100% capacity. And you're also playing in front of people instead of cardboard, which is a little bit of a difference when it comes to audibly. Everybody always likes the Chargers. I actually like the Broncos. I know this sounds weird, but I actually like the Broncos roster better. And I know Vic Fangio's there as head coach could be a problem for the Broncos. But top to bottom, Javante Williams – running back for North Carolina, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sudden, Noah Fan. I love that roster, and I'll be honest with you. I know that you know people have been talking about Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. Drew Locke, by the way, was the highest-rated quarterback, quarterback rating through preseason. Teddy Bridgewater wins the job. He played great. I mean, he was outstanding this preseason. Look at all those weapons around him. Pat Shermer is back as offensive coordinator, so I think that helps the Denver Broncos. Obviously, Teddy's learning the system. Uh, Teddy ing- ingratiated with himself with that team. Learned about his players, learned about the players, learned all about him. And that defense is ridiculous. I and mean, we want to talk about taking steps, all right, to stop the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, they go defensive minded head coach in Vic Fangio, but Von Miller and Chubb playing together for the first time really in three years. Uh, I love their secondary. I mean, they're, they're, they're it's expendable. Looking at the the cuts and the Broncos, who you grab, you know, Patrick Sertan looks like the real deal. I talked to a guy in Denver who covers the Broncos. Used to be their sideline reporter, but he's been there every practice. And he said a lot of what they do, bringing in Patrick Sertan, was the dealing with Kelsey. Dealing with Kelsey in the AFC West. Well, see that? Smart moves. All right? the, st- the stumbling block for him is the Chiefs in this division. Put it this way, sir. Andy Reid has won 11 straight against the Broncos. Okay? Going back to Alex Smith. Mann. Peyton Manning was the last quarterback to beat the Chiefs of the Broncos. He's already in the Hall of Fame. All right? It takes a minute to get the Hall of Fame. He's already in. And he was the last quarterback to beat him. Eight and two in the last 10 against the Raiders, 11 out of 13. Eight and, eight and two against the Chargers in the last two, 12 of the last 14. It goes on and on. Uh, and 31 and five against this division since 2015. But with the Broncos, with Sertan for Kelsey, bringing in Fuller, bringing in Darby, like I like their pieces. And I like quietly what the Broncos have done with the roster. I know that the Chargers are, are kind of the hot topic right now. But, man, I mean, maybe the Broncos are challenging the Chargers. Obviously, then there's the Raiders. I do like Gus Bradley addition at defensive coordinator. Uh, he's given the Chiefs fits in the past with the Chargers. He's a good defensive coordinator. It's really what they needed was to switch to a Gus Bradley-type system with the Raiders. And I think they have the most pressure to get to the playoffs of any other team in the AFC. You know, it was bringing in Mayock, you know, that flash, that sizzle. I loved his first draft, bringing in Gruden, giving the big contract. They're going to have fans this year in Vegas. I just – I mean, I'm looking at the Broncos. I, I see more steps with that team. I still see more steps with the, with the Chargers, with Justin Herbert. So who's going to be that second team? I think it's a free-for-all as far as second place in this division. I'd actually put the Broncos behind the Chiefs. I know that sounds weird coming from Kansas City. Just telling you how I feel. But it depends I, on what Fangio does.
0: Uh, I, I'm with you, okay. actually. Because, so I love – Uh, I love Justin Herbert and I love the chargers. And I think that Justin Herbert is going to be a special player who is going to be a a problem for opposing chiefs defenses for a long time. Uh, I don't think that he was, you know, just like a one hit wonder in his rookie season. I think he's a special player. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, but I think he is a special player in the NFL and he's got plenty of chance to be a really, really good player as the chargers try to continue to compete, but having a new coaching staff and having some turnover on your roster and kind of figuring things out. uh, I've said it about the saints. I feel the same way about the chargers in the fact that I feel like that core defense of the chargers that we were so high on for so long has kind of aged itself out a little bit. Now I know Derwin James when healthy is, an exceptional player and maybe the best defensive player in the NFL outside of Aaron Donald. He's an exceptional player and I want to see him go healthy for an entire regular season schedule because I think that dude is talented enough to like legitimately be defensive player of the year candidate if he stays healthy for an entire year, because that's how good he is. He's like an Ed Reed game changing caliber defensive playmaker in that secondary like that that's what they're losing when he's not on the football field and what they've lost for the last couple of seasons so I'm excited for him to hopefully be healthy because I think he's an exceptional player but I have question marks on their defense they did invest a lot in the offensive line because their offensive line was one of the worst in football last year so they they made a big investment there to try to help Justin Herbert you assume that if you have a healthy Keenan Allen Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. Uh, they added Jared cook is uh, their tight end that like this team should be able to score and, and put up points. But I have questions about their defense and, and about their overall secondary. I think that the Broncos have the second most talented roster in the division. Yep. And I don't think it's as close as people are making it with the chargers. Like I think their roster toe to toe, top to bottom, except quarterback is as oh. talented as the Chiefs. And, and and I think I don't think it's that, that much of a stretch to say that. If they had Aaron Rodgers, like we were speculating in the offseason that the Broncos were in on trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers, I think the Chiefs should be a little bit worried this season because I think the Broncos are a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers. And so if I think that Aaron Rodgers makes them a Super Bowl contender it's because that roster is already extremely talented. Aaron Rodgers can make almost any roster in the NFL a playoff team, but they need a little bit more to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And the Broncos' overall roster construction is a Super Bowl-caliber roster outside of the most important position. I don't think Teddy's capable of getting them to a Super Bowl, but Teddy's safe enough, and they don't have any faith in Drew Locke, I don't think. That's why Teddy is the starter now. I think that the Broncos are the second-best team in the division. I don't have any faith in the Raiders in, in any way.
1: Yeah, as far as the Chargers, I do like bringing Corey Lindsey at center. I know mean, Aaron Rogers center. He's now for Justin Herbert, uh, kind of commanding that offensive line with the Chargers. I'm a little bit surprised they went Brandon Staley, you know, the Rams defensive coordinator. Not because of the choice, but they zagged when everybody else is zigging, going with, you know, offensive minds. And it's obviously get like KGO's defensive mind, but, you know, one-year defensive coordinator. Um, I think they made a mistake. Eric Bianome should have been their guy. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because, and maybe Staley does a good job, but Eric Biename played for the Chargers. He played the Super Bowl with the Chargers. Not only that, he's been every step of the way with Patrick Mahomes. He's been here since day one of Andy Reid. Like if you want to know about the Chiefs system or a team that's won five straight AFC West titles, you would think you would grab somebody off that tree. But regardless, they go Brandon the Staley, one year defensive coordinator with the Rams. I might have gone with the guy who's been the two straight Super Bowls in Eric Bienname.
0: Yeah, I would have gone with the offensive minded guy for my. Especially to
1: pair with Herbert.
0: Guys, quarterback, and especially the guy who's going to run a lot of the same things that the best quarterback in football is going to be running. It seems to uh, be a logical decision for me, but uh, as we've seen time and time again, the NFL doesn't always seem to operate in logic. Uh, the division I want to talk about next, in my opinion, is the most intriguing. Division in the National Football League. The AFC East is top to bottom, in my opinion, hard to really decipher who you truly think is the best team. I know everybody's going to say that it's the Bills because Josh Allen had the best season of his career last season. He was an MVP candidate made to the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I totally get that. I don't believe the Bills have drastically improved from this year to last year. It is the big thing with me. I don't I don't think their roster has changed that much and we saw last season that that was the best version in my opinion of that Bills team that you were going to see. Like it took a Stefan Diggs who's an exceptional player, career year. Cole Beasley, career year. Josh Allen, career year. And their defense was just kind of okay. They didn't have much of a pass rush. Tradavius White had one of the worst seasons he's had in a They're while. I'm very
1: happy with their pass rush right now. They're expendable. They they say it's it's corrected. So
0: yeah. What that, they say. Yeah, that's what they say. I don't think it's gotten that much better. And I, I, I'm not buying it. That's I feel like that's what teams who are like, well, it's a little bit better than what we had last year. That's what they say. When, that's what they say when they don't have a good pass rush. So they didn't have a good pass rush last year. Um, I, I don't I just don't really have any faith that they've improved that much. The New York Jets, I don't think, are a competitive team this year, but they're gonna be fun. Uh they've got a good young coaching staff in place. Robert Sala, uh Matt LaFleur's brother, I think Mike LaFleur. Like they, they've got an intriguing offense. Young Not be the same Jets. Zach Wilson, who who looks good in the preseason. Corey Davis, I think, is gonna be one of the free agent steals of the offseason. I think he's going to be a stud for them in that offense and they're going to run things through him. They also have one of the most intriguing young offensive lines in football and their defense has some playmakers. So the jets aren't going to be the disaster jets that we're used to. The dolphins might have one of the best defenses in football this season. We'll see what they have with Ryan Flores and that coaching staff and that offense and, And Tua, as you know, Will Fuller is going to be suspended week one. He's also been banged up. But they did add Jalen Waddle, who I'm really excited to see in the NFL. Devontae Parker's also been banged up. So we haven't seen much of him in training camp. So we'll see what this team looks like and what this offense looks like when they're fully healthy. But they're very intriguing. And the Dolphins were a team that was on the rise last season. You know, we saw them play the Chiefs last year, and that was a game like it, it wasn't. They didn't just run over the Miami Dolphins. Like that was an interesting football game. And so when you, when you talk about just those three football teams, it's already like, okay, well, this division's tough. And you haven't even gotten to the new England Patriots. Like you haven't even gotten to bill Belichick, the greatest coach who's ever walked the face of the planet and his rookie quarterback who he just named the starter in week one. They're also getting back a lot of veteran players who opted out of last season because of the pandemic. So you already know they've got veteran talent that they're infusing the roster Ridiculous with those tight of, ends. On top the of Buffalo the fact of it. that they spent huge money in free agency to improve their roster. So we're talking this might be the most talented roster Belichick's had since like that undefeated regular season Patriots team. Like this might be that the most talented roster he's had top to bottom since then, because the tape on him has always been that he's cheap. He doesn't like paying players. He doesn't like paying big money contracts to free agents always finds deals in the draft and compensatory picks, stuff like that. And then he gets guys and he figures out how to utilize them for his system and turns them into playmakers. But this season Tom went out and won that ring without him. And Bill said, all right, now nah, we're not playing now. We're Where's not playing now. We're going to spend more money than anybody's ever spent. We're going to get all these veterans back that we know can play, that we like, and we're going to go draft a quarterback in the first round. And we're going to cut Cam Newton two weeks before the season starts. Name that guy our starter. And this is what we're doing this year. We're going for it all. We're coming for you, Tom. So, this division, top to bottom, I have no idea who's going to win this division. It's intriguing as all hell. I, I'm really excited to watch AFC East football this season.
1: You know, I think it's still Buffalo's uh, division to lose. I'd be shocked if they didn't win the division. The Jets, can be t- there's going to be tougher outs. Like, this division's going to provide tougher outs playing these teams twice. And the Patriots are going to be a tough out. I mean, keep in mind, this team beat the, the Buffalo Bills 32 of 35 times when they had Tom Brady. Now they took advantage of him when, when Tom Brady wasn't there. But 32 or 35 times, they know how to beat the Buffalo Bills. And then the Dolphins are interesting to me because Brian Flores, to me, was, was next to Stefanski as far as if I would have given the Coach of the Year. Uh, Flores did a great job. And the win, double-digit wins with a team that had to keep putting Fitzpatrick in at different times because, well, would it totally know the playbook 100% or not, just going by kind of what he said? Uh, they're still flirting with Deshaun Watson, so I still don't know the 100% sold on what Tua can do, but a double digit uh, team last year with wins. I don't know, man. I look at this division. There's going to be tougher outs for Buffalo. I mean, it's just not, you know, clear sailing going right to the division, hammering everybody in this. So I think you're going to have a little tougher road. still think Buffalo is a team to beat though.
0: Yeah. I mean, but like last year, the jets and you can tell me if you agree with me, the jets had the worst roster in football last year, like least talent on the worst head coach team across the league last season and adam Gase is the most detrimental football coach that i have ever seen to where it was like he was trying to be opposite bill belichick like he he came into an organization he said how am i going to get the worst out of every one of these players how am i going to make them look as bad as possible i had fun fade them in survivor league that's what yes. And, and yeah. And survivor, that was the strategy last year. You pick every game against the jets until you can't pick games against the jets anymore because they were just that bad. Like this is not that same jets team. I don't, again, I don't think the jets are going to be super competitive this year. I think they're going to be similar to like what we saw from the Carolina Panthers last year. I, I think that be surprising co- team. new coaching staff, young, intriguing talent, still a ways to go roster building and stuff like that, but you're going to see some glimpses and some flashes here where, like, games they have no business being involved in, they're going to be hanging around and they're going to be giving teams problems and, and they're going to show the NFL that, like, oh, we're, we're, we're coming and we're, we're building this thing and we're headed in the right direction. I think that's the Jets this season. I, I, I think that they are going to be – headed in a very positive direction. And I do think that the Dolphins are ready to take the step to being like a, a playoff caliber football
1: team. Are you buying any of the Deshaun Watson flirtation? No. I think of Drew Rosen that house had said something. I mean, and he's not the agent for, for, for uh, Deshaun Watson, Dave Mugaletta is, but he lives in Miami, he goes on a TV station every week, and he thinks it's possible. I mean, he does represent Dolphins players, lives in that oh, area. Yeah. The, there's certainly been a flirtation there.
0: If the dolphins were willing to trade, what was the report? Three first round picks and we two second round picks or, or, or something like that. If they're willing to trade that for a player that they can't even guarantee is going to play this season, let alone yeah. play next season, uh, barring all of his legal issues and whatever the NFL eventually decides to pass down on him. I would say that, okay, my faith in the dolphins is misplaced because, they're not headed in the direction that I thought they were headed in. If they're willing to part with that many assets for a player that they can't even guarantee you'll see the field in the next year or two.
1: They did lose so, one of their first round picks to Dallas in the yeah. trade for Micus Parsons. They so, did get one with the 49ers, but they don't have the capital like the Eagles do next year sitting with three rounders. Well, Two, unless Carson Woods plays 75% of the snaps.
0: I would bank that he's not going anywhere this year and that it it could be addressed again in the offseason if there's more clarity uh, around what's going on in his personal life. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to ride with Tua. I I think that Brian Flores is a good head coach, and I think their defense is legitimately talented. And, And what makes me think that they are in a better position in the way that they're managing their organization, the way that they're running their football team, Xavier Howard, arguably the best cornerback in football, said, yeah, I signed this contract, but then you guys brought in Byron Jones and gave him more money, and I'm obviously better than him, so I need a new deal. And they immediately addressed it. They didn't trade him. Even though he said he wanted to be traded, they said, no, we don't want to trade you. We want you. We think you're a special player. We want you be a part of this. Took team? care of the situation. They restructured his deal, and they took care of him and gave him some money. So that, to me, says that the Dolphins are in a better spot at least structurally. And they're going to have an opportunity to compete this year. I think they are a really good team in the AFC. Uh, again, I, I just don't know that I have faith in the bills overall. I don't think that their team has improved enough to, to take that next step. And the Patriots, you just can't ever count them out. You can't yeah. ever count bill Never. Belichick out. So uh, that is the most intriguing division in football to me this year. I think it's going to be super competitive, and I think we're going to see a lot of surprises from the teams in the AFC East this season. I
1: now, actually disagree with you on that just a little bit. I think the NFC West more intriguing to me and a division in the AFC we're going to get to in a little bit.
0: Yeah, Yeah. the NFC But it's, it's West. interesting, but... Yeah, no, okay. The, but the NFC West is like that every year. Like, I'm saying. The NFC the West coin. is competitive every year.
1: The Seahawks
0: are good every year. The 49ers are good every year. If you said this next
1: year, I might buy into it more.
0: The 49ers had a ton of injuries last season. Otherwise, they would have been right in the thick of things. I think the Cardinals are the worst team in that division. Well, we're going to cover the NFC on next week's episode. But the NFC West is like that every year. That's why I'm much more intrigued by the AFC East this season. Because yeah, I have no bit, idea. they have seen it's
1: a little I, bit better. I
0: just, I just have no idea what to really expect from the AFC East. Uh, but we were just talking about the most intriguing divisions in football. Uh, arguably, the worst division in football: the AFC South, the Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans. Um, I would have assumed, at least for me personally, I would have picked the Colts to win this division prior to the training camp and preseason Carson Wentz injury, Quentin Nelson injury, even though they're saying both those guys they think can be back from week one for week one. Now T Y Hilton's hurt. I think this is the Titans division again. I don't think the Titans are a drastically improved football team, but their offense legitimately has the opportunity to be one of the best offenses in football. Even if their secondary is terrible again, like it was last season. And I expect that to be the case because they haven't made any drastic improvements there. They haven't made any drastic improvements in their pass rush, which was subpar last season, but they did go out and add Julio Jones and Julio Jones. When he is healthy is a hall of fame, wide receiver who was still highly productive last season prior to getting injured on a Falcons team that was going nowhere. And then you factor in the fact that AJ Brown is my favorite young wide receiver in football and he is a legitimate bona fide superstar and ryan tannehill has been one of the most underrated starting quarterbacks in the nfl since he became the titan starter a couple of years ago oh and they have the 2000 yard rusher the cyborg that is derrick henry the titans just seem like they're gonna run away with this division in my opinion unless the colts get healthy then they're a little intriguing i just I have no faith in the Texans or the Jacksonville Jaguars headed in the season. So I think it's got to be the Titans division this
1: year. Absolutely. I love the move with Bud Dupree. I mean, that was a huge move for that defense. That defense was 28th in the NFL. And I can't look at you, sir, and say tangibly that they've gotten much better outside of Bud Dupree. Yes, Julio Jones is on offense, but didn't play defense. Again, I think how Tannehill and how that offense goes is Derrick Henry. 100%. You look at some of the most productive days by that offense through their passing games, Derrick Henry would be going off for like 150 or 200 yards. I mean, I just think he's too big of a part of what this offense is. And if he's taken out of the equation, like go back to that playoff game with the Chiefs. You know, they bottled up Derrick Henry. And then they forced the rest of the offense to do the job. Now, I know they got a little bit better on offense, but they looked a little lost when Derrick Henry wasn't getting those yards, when he wasn't able to make those second and shorts or third and real short to open up the passing game. I just think he's such a vital part of what they do offensively they need his help. He's run the ball a lot. A lot of wear and tear on Derrick Henry. But I think how he goes, that offense goes. But I am a little bit concerned with their defense. The Colts, Costanza retired this year. That's a big loss. But Quentin Nelson, the best guard in football. I love Ryan Kelly. Uh, they gave a big money to Braden Smith on that offensive line. I actually like what the Colts' offensive line looks like. Their defense. I think it's underrated compared to how good it can play at times. And they do boast Jonathan Taylor third best, or the third leading rusher in the NFL a season to go Carson Wentz. They need it was, you know, if he comes back because behind him, not a lot to be honest with you. They keep, they seem to be snake bitten with this quarterback, but you are looking at a capable general manager and Chris Ballard that I really think highly of. And they will probably have more cap space by the end of this year. The Colts, uh, Maybe not this year, but their time has come in relatively soon. They've been hampered by those injuries, though.
0: And I don't want to disrespect Bud Dupree. I think he's a fine player, but I don't think he's the type of pass rusher that you bring in and he like changes the culture of your defensive line or something like that. Like I think he's a fine player who can have an impact, but I don't think he drastically changes the Tennessee Titans pass rush this season. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Bud Dupree comes out and he has the biggest year of his career. I hope that's the Pittsburgh case. Pittsburgh certainly missed him last year. hurt. Um, yeah. And I think he's a fine player. I just don't think he's like a legitimate game changer or anything like that. And they already had a questionable pass rush last season, but I still think they're the best team in the division. Um, I would have picked the Colts here. If it wasn't for all of the injuries because of the offensive line, uh, because I think Frank Reich is a really good head coach. Here's I one gap, thing, sir, I but like, you had the
1: second most explosive plays in the AFC last year. Who? Colts. I mean, believe it or not, you got Pittman back there, Zach Pascal. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, who knows what could happen? Uh-huh. I don't know who helped. I Hilton came it back, helps. but they were pretty good.
0: It helps when you have a good offensive line and a good running game.
1: A team that uh, gave Buffalo all they wanted in the we playoffs. Saw, lose by we three.
0: Saw that that's been a huge success for Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans is having that run game and ha- having the ability – to have teams be so keyed in on it, the play-action game can come up with these huge chunk plays. And so we've seen other teams have success with that. Uh, the Colts are just, I think that they have one of the best run and coach defenses in the league. But I still question some of just like the superstar caliber talent. Like DeForest Buckner, superstar player, in my opinion. Darius Leonard, superstar Player And they've got depth and they've got a lot of nice players on that defense, but I still think there's room for like another star to, to really put them over the top. So I'm still not quite there with the Indianapolis Colts. Jacksonville, we already talked about we're super questionable on just urban Meyer in the NFL and his decision making as a head coach and how Trevor
1: Lawrence, a real deal though,
0: how he's going to translate. And yeah, Lawrence I think is going to shine at times this season and he's going to have his moments, but Jacksonville to me still looks like it's like a four win football team. And the Houston Texans, in my opinion, are the New York jets of last season. I think they've got the worst roster in football. Um, I just think that the coaching staff and their general manager and everything that they're doing right now is all just placeholder for whatever's to come next, because the organization is kind of imploding right now. And we'll see how that unfolds with Deshaun Watson, but the Houston Texans are the worst run organization in the league right now. And I would be shocked if they won two football games this season.
1: Going to be in prime spot, especially in those draft picks to get the quarterback of the future. If they do things right. If they do things right.
0: Well, and I mean if they exactly. could actually if they could actually trade Deshaun Watson for multiple first round picks, they'll get back some of those picks that uh Bill O'Brien just decided to be the b- b-
1: Yeah, they have the second or third best quarterback on the roster that's gonna be inactive in Deshaun Watson. This is just like it's everybody looks for that quarterback. Deshaun Watson led the development yardage last year. Like, he's on the roster, it's going to be inactive. And I know he didn't want to play there. John McClain says he's not playing another down there. I'd believe it. He he said this, you know, before the Troubles. But imagine having a top three quarterback in the AFC that's not even active. And yeah. can be. But he Don't want worry.
0: They, they drafted Davis Mills. So, they'll be, they'll
1: that's be just fine
0: right. for that, Sean Watson. Uh, our last division in the AFC, uh, one of the most competitive divisions It's in my football. favorite. Seemingly each and every year I saved it for last. Cause I knew it was Jay Binkley's favorite division. Love it. The AFC North, uh, the Ravens, obviously still a hyper competitive football team. Lamar Jackson, superstar player still have a good offensive line, still have a great defense. Expect them to be a very competitive team. Bengals bouncing back from the Joe Burrow season ending ACL injury. Uh, they drafted Jamar Chase instead of an offensive lineman when they had one of the worst offensive lines in football last season. And hey
1: Joe Burrow with this guy, man. Uh,
0: Joe Burrow is I, – I think Joe Burrow is a great player, and I, I hope that he comes back healthy, but he has really struggled in training camp. has been a lot of ups and downs with him and Jamar Chase. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, 75 years old. But he's got a bionic arm, went on a diet this offseason. He's ready to bounce back uh, bigger and batter than ever is Big Ben. And they've got an explosive offense. They added Najee Harris, who is likely to be, in my opinion, the rookie running back rushing yardage leader. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. He's a they big starter. Uh, their offensive line is a little bit questionable, but uh, that's not going to keep me from drafting Najee Harris in my fantasy football leagues. And then Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Eric Ebron because I think he's uh, a waste of space on the roster. When they drafted my mad guy, Pat Fryermuth, who I'm hoping is going to have a big role in that offense this season. The AFC North, always an intriguing division. I think it's clear that the Bengals are the worst div- team in the division. Uh, and then it's I think there's a toss-up kind of between the Ravens, Steelers, and Browns. Binkley, you know me. You know I'm a Browns fan. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns as the top team in this division because I wholeheartedly believe the Cleveland Browns are the second-best team in the AFC, so I can't not pick them to win the AFC North.
1: You know what? I'm right there with you. I've been touting the Cleveland Browns before kind of the – I know you liked them. Uh, you, You believed in them from the past, even going back to Dorsey. But you look at who made the biggest leap, as far as kind of those bubble teams behind the Kansas City Chiefs, it's Cleveland Browns, undoubtedly. They're the only team in the NFL that boasts not one, not two, but three, all pros, not pro bowlers, all pros on that offensive line in Conklin, Betonio, and Wyatt Taylor. You have that running game. You have the two best – Well, I mean, obviously the Ravens were ahead of the curve on that, but it's going to be a little different without Dobbins this year for the Ravens. I think the Browns will lead the AFC in rushing yardage uh, this year. You look at that defense, all the pieces that came in. Not only that, Stephen, they brought in 50% of the Rams secondary in Hill and Johnson. 50% of the number one secondary in the NFL the Browns brought in. Oh, by the way, people aren't talking about that, but they're there. Miles Garrett there. I just love what the Cleveland Browns have done. To me, they had the best offseason as far as if you want to catch the Kansas City Chiefs. It comes down to Baker Mayfield. He doesn't need to be a leader, great, to be honest. He's a great play-action quarterback. He does, gets the job done. I actually believe in Baker Mayfield with that football team. You have the coach of the year. And not only that, and the difference between a team like that and, let's say, the Chargers that everybody grabs onto at the beginning of the year, they want a playoff game. They want a playoff game on the road against their rival. That's a big deal for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, yeah, they do lose in Kansas City. Uh, Mahomes went out there in the third quarter of that football game, uh, and they still lost. Uh, they still lost that game, but I think they're taking the steps necessary. They're very well coached. But that's a, that's a good roster. Man. That is a great roster with the Cleveland Browns. That's the cream of the crop. The Steelers, you just never want to count them out because then they come out and do this, something much different. I mean, they're going to have to rebuild to some extent. Uh, when, when Ben, Big Ben, retires, they do lose Villanueva on that offensive line that I thought was kind of key for them. Um, The Ravens are interesting, but Rashad Bateman's going to start off hurt. He's, he's gonna, he won't yeah, be he's there. actually
0: placed on IR. IR. Yeah, yeah, so he's
1: on the IR you got Dobbins it's not coming back this year. I really like Dobbins and what they were doing, what they were splitting out, why they were really making an emphasis for him catching the football. I mean, Gus Edwards has 18 catches the last three years, so he's going to have to catch the ball more. Justice Hill probably wouldn't have made this team. We'll make this team now in Baltimore. They drafted Tylen Wallace. Hollywood Brown actually came back yesterday. I believe he had been out since the second week of the preseason.
0: He's the been- Ravens
1: are loaded. Randy. The best preseason Never team ever.
0: healthy however. Watkins.
1: Best preseason team ever. Twenty zero in the preseason. I do like Lamar Jackson. Um, I just think the Cleveland Browns are the cream of the crop. Man, I'm right there with you, sir. Well, it's a fun and, division. I think three teams can make an argument to win the division.
0: Oh, it's a great division. If we're talking fantasy football, this division's absolutely loaded with talent. Uh, I've got I've got players from this division all over the place in all of my fantasy football leagues. I didn't mention J.K. Dobbins. I do think that that's a big loss for the Baltimore Huge. Ravens, but because of Lamar Jackson and because of the way they utilize their running backs, I don't think it's like a season-ending type of thing or anything. No, like but that. but not having Bateman
1: or Dobbins. I mean, early yeah, on, I mean, and especially when they get the Chiefs in Week Two,
0: the Ravens seem like they're primed for a letdown year. I think they still got plenty of talent. They still got enough talent to win that division. In my opinion, even with D if they get if they get Bateman back healthy at some point, I think he's a really talented rookie wide receiver. And Hollywood Brown and Sammy can be contributors. I mean they're special players, but they can be contributors. I think Mark Andrews is a fine NFL tight end. Their defense is what can win them football games, though, and Lamar Jackson. But they do seem like now that we're talking about it, like they're primed and ready for a letdown year just based off of the injuries that they've had so far and all the continuity that they're going to lose on the offensive side of the ball by not having any of their starting pass catchers healthy during training camp. So that's a big deal. Um, for an emphasis I,
1: on the team was the, was, was through the air.
0: I still need to see it with Ben and this new diet and the arm and like seeing it hold up for a seventeen week regular season. I
1: do like Claypool and Juju though,
0: because but we saw that Steelers team kind of fall apart. They were last undefeated team in the NFL last year, yep. and by about week twelve, nobody was buying that that team was the best team in football. <laughs> that it kind of just fell off the rails and they stumbled into the postseason and lost and everyone expected that because you could tell by the way everything was unfolding before us as we were watching games week in and week out and I'm afraid of that happening again with the Steelers because we know the defense is gonna have some playmakers we know TJ Watt is an exceptional player their secondaries got some playmakers Minka Fitzpatrick they got Joe Hayden back but there's still question marks there. And then the offensive line is a is a serious issue for them this year. So you have to worry about all of those things. But yes, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, all exceptional pass catchers. So their offense should be good enough. I just think this is going to be one of those Pittsburgh Steelers seasons where we've seen it before from Mike Tomlin when they don't have quite enough talent. They're still competitive. They're like a seven and nine football team, where they're in games each and every week. They don't ever get blown out. They're competitive each and every week, and they give teams problems. They can beat any team if the chips fall right. But I feel like that's the type of Sealers team that we might get this year. And you know, and less Najee Harris just adds like a totally different dimension to this team that we didn't see coming. But I I think it's special be player to do that as a rookie, even though I do believe he is a special player. Uh, The Bengals, there's just too many question marks. Their defense, in all likelihood, isn't going to be very good. Offensive line, still super questionable. I love Joe Burrow. If he gets back and he's healthy and gets back to the Joe Burrow that we saw as a rookie, I love T. Higgins. I think he's got a chance to really – step up the season and be a huge playmaker for them. And I think Jamar Chase can still be a, a special NFL player. You got to take into account that that dude didn't play football for almost two years while he sat out through the pandemic. Prior to that, he was the best wide receiver on a national championship LSU team
1: with Justin included
0: Jefferson. Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson, who set the rookie receiving record last year. And Jamar Chase was better him on the cup winner. So I think Jamar chase still has a chance to be an exceptional NFL player. It's just, you can't sit out that long at this level of the game and expect that it's going to get right back into it. I, I still think the Cleveland Browns are the best team in that division, though. It's the offensive line is going to keep Baker clean, going to have running lanes for Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt. And the passing game is going to be able to play off that running game all year. And their defense headed into the year is shockingly one of the most underrated defenses. I think it's
1: top 10. They were 17th and, last year. Defense. I think it's they, the top yeah. 10 defense.
0: Yeah. And they, and they didn't Denzel Ward was hurt a lot last year. Like they, they added to that secondary added pieces. Denzel Ward can be a lockdown corner in the NFL. The Browns legitimately have top five offense, top 10 defense potential this season. So I absolutely love the Cleveland Browns headed into this year, but uh, that was fun. Bank, thank you so much for uh, joining me on NFL University. Thanks for
1: saving the AFC North. Uh,
0: yes, I saved that especially for you. I love that division, uh, man. I, I'm really happy that we are able to have you on, uh, break down the AFC with you. I knew you'd be excited to join me. So thank you for so very much for thank joining us, Jay Binkley. We will be back next week breaking down the NFC. We'll also be back later this week, of course, with our regularly scheduled NFL programming. We're running Sunday to Friday this season, six days a week. We've got your NFL coverage like nobody else does right now. So make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.